As educators, we have all used our teacher voices to calm a rowdy classroom, comfort an upset student, and share a concern or success with students or parents. Yes, these voices are used in many ways and every day. But how effectively do we use our voices to support ourselves and our colleagues? The pressures and challenges teachers face can be daunting and ever-increasing. Many teachers are feeling overwhelmed and just don't know what to do. As a result, we sit around the staff room table, across the coffee shop table, or even around the kitchen table, voicing our concerns. But does this lead to support and change? Teachers at times just don't know what to do or who to turn to. In their efforts to support and advocate for student learning, but to also advocate for themselves. Welcome to the Teacher Table, a podcast series for educators by educators. Hi, I'm Brittany. And I'm Laurieann. And welcome to our podcast series, Teacher Table. We are educators who see the need for teachers to start using their own voices to advocate for change and support one another. As a result, we have created a podcast series to address the many topics that fellow educators have expressed as concerning or challenging. Topics in education that teachers find overwhelming as they encounter pushback or backlash or areas of uncertainty because of a lack of resources or confidence in the content or delivery. So we seeked out the voices of local educators in search of a deeper understanding of the challenges faced in education within our community and how teachers are facing these challenges. In this episode, we address one of these challenges. That would be the importance of Indigenous education and how we as educators can enhance our understanding of Indigenous worldviews and grow professionally in this area. Our first guest is Taryn Henry, a grade six teacher who is working on a project to support teachers with this in mind. We hope you enjoy the episode. Taryn Henry is a local educator who joins us at the teacher table to share her insights as an educator on teaching Indigenous perspectives and worldview. She also has been working on an exciting project that supports teachers to grow professionally in Indigenous education. So hi, Taryn. How are you doing? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Can you begin by sharing a little bit about yourself and your journey as an educator? Okay. Well, I'm currently in my ninth year as an educator. Mm-hmm. So in September, I'll be in my 10th year. I started my education journey at SunTip here in Prince Albert. And when I entered the program, I knew I was Métis, but I never really knew what that meant to be mm-hmm. Métis. So my experience at SunTip started me on a really small journey of self-discovery. Um, I interned my fourth year of SunTip at a rural school just outside of Prince Albert at Osborne Public School in a grade one, two classroom. And after graduation, I was lucky enough to receive a full-time position teaching grade five, six at Osborne. And I continued my career there for seven years. Just under two years ago, I put in for a transfer and I ended up at King George Public School where I've been teaching grade six up to today. So you have lots of different experience under your belt, hey, at this point? I would say a little bit. Well, thanks for sharing a little bit about your journey as an educator, Taryn. Thanks. 
All right. So we've been discussing a little bit at the start of this episode, the importance of teaching Indigenous perspectives and ways of knowing in the classroom. What are your thoughts on this? Well, I didn't really learn a lot of Indigenous history and perspectives when I was in grade school. And so it wasn't until I started university that it really started to open my eyes to the importance of Canada's history and with Indigenous peoples. So while I was at SUNTEP, I learned a lot about the history of my Métis heritage and the history of other Indigenous peoples across Canada. Given Canada's historical legacy of residential schools, amongst other assimilation attempts, Indigenous students haven't really had the opportunity to attend public schools in Saskatchewan where their traditional worldviews and perspectives are fully respected and valued. Students in our Saskatchewan schools learn a variety of curricula based solely on Eurocentric worldview. But I do feel that it's very important that we as educators not only teach the truth behind Canada's legacy of colonization, but also work towards bridging the gap between Eurocentric worldview and Indigenous worldview, where both cultural perspectives are respected in education. I, I've heard a lot of uh, teachers around our age, I would say, say that they never learned it until they went to university. And I feel like that's too late for some people and some ignorance is already so deeply ingrained that they just, they're not in a place for their mind to be changed or for them to be open. But I think that one positive is that now with educators like you, and I think there's a lot of awareness with it now with truth and reconciliation that like kids are learning this history right from the time they get in. Like I know in my kindergarten room, we covered it at an age appropriate level. And I think that that will do a lot to kind of combat some stereotypes and some inequalities that we have seen in the education field. So. And, you know, I know, too, like I've been a teacher for a pretty long time. I'm going on 25 years. And the reality is, is as a student, you know, going to school, um, Indigenous perspectives were not touched on at all as a student. When I went on to university, the same thing. I didn't take a Native Studies course. And then here I was teaching. And wouldn't you know, my first teaching position, I was teaching all Indigenous children. And I had no experience, no knowledge whatsoever um, of teaching students, uh, you know, who are Indigenous. And I found my journey as an educator really was um, learning along the way. And, you know, a lot of times, too, out of fear of um, offending or not knowing or just being embarrassed that you didn't know, I found I would shy away from it. But I think really as teachers, we need to embrace this. It's not uh, it's not an option. You know, um, we need to be teaching Indigenous perspectives, truth and reconciliation, treaties, and to just put our heads in the sand and say, I, I don't know, I'm not going to do this. I was never shown how. Just isn't an option. We need to be open to it. So mm -hmm. thanks again, uh, Taryn, for sharing with us. And hopefully we can inspire some educators out there. Yeah, um, and another, sorry, another really good example was this year I had an intern and she is First Nations, and she, when I was talking with her, she explained that she knew nothing about her culture, like zero. Mm -hmm. Up north and grew up up north her whole life. And so her biggest deciders on 
joining SunTEP or applying at SunTEP was to learn about her culture because they just don't talk. They in her family, I guess they don't talk about it. People just assume like when she answer enters a school building that she's an expert in Indigenous culture and she's really not. And mm -hmm. embarrassed by that. So and puts extra pressure on her as well, right? Yeah. And brings up those feelings of I need to learn about my culture and now everybody here, because I'm an indigenous woman, thinks that I'm the expert. And that I think that's really unfair. And I know I've been guilty of that too. And going to indigenous colleagues and asking for their advice or their opinion or to help me with something. And I just completely made that assumption that they knew. And that was wrong of me, definitely. You know, uh, when I was looking at the Saskatchewan Ministry of Education annual report, the most recent one that came out in 2019 and 20, I found that there was a real disparity between Indigenous and non-Indigenous students when it came to engagement and achievement. And in most areas, non-Indigenous students were outperforming Indigenous students, whether it was reading, mathematics, graduation rates. And, you know, Taryn, I'd just like to know, like, what, what do you think? What do you think might be contributing to this disparity that we're seeing in, in education for Indigenous students? Well, I think a big part of that is kind of what we touched on earlier. Education in Canada right now is majority is Eurocentric worldview based, right? And I believe that the legacy of colonization has resulted in a really big loss of cultural identity and belonging of Indigenous peoples and students in Canada. It plays one of the biggest parts in that disparity between Indigenous and non-Indigenous student achievement. As well as systemic racism and poverty, those also play a big part. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with the Chief's Assembly on Education's document from 2012, but... In this document, it talks about how Indigenous lifelong learning is a really big process of nurturing First Nations learners linguistically and through culturally appropriate holistic learning environments, mm -hmm. that individual and collective needs of Indigenous students. So I, I don't think that we see enough holistic learning environments in our current education system that meets the dynamic and specific needs of our Indigenous students. So I think that plays a big part. Yeah, I think that, yeah, there's so many factors that go into that, right? And governments just kind of focus on the graduation rates and try to combat the issue at a high school level. Really, you need to take yeah. it back, right? And it's a, it's a problem um, across the grades, right? So it needs to be addressed along the whole education journey and holistic lens. So in the survey that Lorianne and I conducted to help us choose our podcast topics, a large majority of the teachers we asked, they, they recognized that there was a need to bring Indigenous perspectives into the classroom, but then there was a disconnect when it came time to deliver. And a lot of them stated that they didn't feel um, totally comfortable teaching Indigenous perspectives in the classroom. Why do you think that is? Well, I know for me, a big part of me not feeling comfortable teaching Indigenous history and in introducing Indigenous perspectives and practices in the classroom is solely the fact that I just didn't know. And I felt incompetent, like plain and simple, I felt incompetent. I didn't know. And like I didn't know and I still don't know everything that there is to know and learn about Indigenous worldview and nor back then I understand the really big need for it in education today but 
now that I've had the opportunity to do a little bit of research and have those really important discussions with my colleagues and my family members and just Indigenous peoples themselves, now finally begun my new educational journey where I'm actually making that conscious effort to embed Indigenous perspectives into my everyday education of my students, whether they're Indigenous or not. Because if we don't embed those Indigenous perspectives and practices and teach the histories, then we're not going to grow as a country. And I think most teachers fall on a continuum of stages, whether it be the denial stage, like they don't really know or recognize that Indigenous cultural revival in Canada is important and maybe don't understand or care that the effect of the legacy of colonization that it has on Indigenous culture. They could also be part of an awareness stage where they're aware that it's important to teach Indigenous perspectives and histories, but maybe they don't feel comfortable taking on that tough task of teaching it because of their lack of education or their fear of misrepresenting the information. It can also be part of the exploration stage where teachers may just be exploring the research that's out there or making familiar with the truth and reconciliations commissions call to action or possibilities of what they can do as an educator and trying some of those things out that could be beneficial they could also be part of a synthesis stage where they're beginning to feel comfortable and where they're starting to include indigenous perspectives and education and practices in their routines or they could be part of the final refinement stage where some teachers are strategically embedding Indigenous perspectives and education and practices in their everyday teaching routines. So to answer your question, I think teachers are just in different stages in their reconciliation journey. And if they do feel uncomfortable or unprepared, it's likely because they need to put a little bit more effort into educating themselves and their research. And they need to build those strong relationships with Indigenous peoples because that's our responsibility as public servants to do that. Hmm. Like I know we've been talking and discussing how, you know, a lot of educators feel fear. They feel uncomfortable, yet they see the importance of, of um, Indigenous perspectives in their teaching practices. And, you know, sometimes they're just not sure where to begin or how to put it into practice for various reasons. You know, like I said, feeling uncomfortable or fear or not knowing. So I know, uh, Taryn, that you've been working on a special project to help teachers grow professionally in the area of Indigenous education. Uh, can you describe a little bit about this project you've been working on and kind of explain the background, why you took it on or you, you saw the need for this? Sure. So tacking on to the previous questions that we were talking about, about how teachers feel uncomfortable teaching Indigenous perspectives and histories. Um, and with that, we also have many students in our Saskatchewan schools, um, including Indigenous students that are learning a variety of curricula based on Eurocentric worldview. So that's kind of where I kind of started with. And then again, Canada's uh, legacy of residential schools Indigenous students haven't had the opportunity to attend a public school where their traditional worldviews and perspectives are respected and valued. Um, so those two areas kind of sparked my capstone project. My project that I've been working on this school year relates to professional growth planning and the medicine wheel. 
like as as you all know, like professional growth is a necessary component in order to be a lifelong learner and to be an educator, right? Mm-hmm. And through professional growth planning, we can increase our knowledge and our skill base as an educator and improve our overall teaching practice. So by doing this professional growth plan project as higher school, so right now my whole school is doing it with me, we've really seen a big increase in our collective knowledge as a team and then our skill our skill building as a team. So, so my professional growth plan project and the medicine wheel that I'm working on is designed around the four quadrants of the medicine wheel and teachers in my school building have graciously been working really hard creating and working on a variety of small professional growth plans from each area of the medicine wheel. The four quadrants of the professional growth plan medicine wheel are the physical quadrant that represents the environment, your physical environment of your classroom and your school building as well. Then there's the emotional quadrant that represents the relationships um, that a teacher has with their students, family, staff, and community. And then there's the mental quadrant that represents teacher instruction and content. And then the spiritual quadrant that represents the personal and professional growth of a teacher, as well as their comfort level with Indigenous perspectives. First, I have teachers reflect on each of the physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual quadrants of the medicine wheel. So here is where they use a rubric to indicate their areas of strength, maybe some areas that may require further development. Teachers take that rubric and they create small, achievable, personal, and professional growth goals around four areas. The professional growth plan medicine wheel comes full circle when the teacher create their goals. And then after a certain amount of time working on them, they review their progress, they any of their goals, and then they create some new goals multiple times throughout the year. And that conscious effort to bridge the gap between Indigenous and non-Indigenous worldviews in education. And so the idea behind it is that the Medicine Wheel Professional Growth Plan will support, honor, and restore Indigenous worldview in education or in students, I suppose, Indigenous students. It's also designed to help promote truth and reconciliation. And it's designed to help build, bridge the gap between Indigenous and European education, help Indigenous students feel a sense of belonging in the school and the classroom, and then overall build a strong sense of identity within Indigenous students. Although some schools have already attempted to bridge the gap between Eurocentric and Indigenous worldview and content in the in their lessons in the school and in their classroom, there's still a lot more that we can do to enhance the learning opportunity of all the students in our public schools. So, so it kind of starts with the teacher almost looking inward, and in the four quadrants of the medicine wheel, and reflecting and really seeing, you know, where what is my knowledge in these areas? Where can I grow? And how can I improve education for Indigenous students and really all students, right? Yeah, because whatever is beneficial for an Indigenous student is really beneficial for any student, right? So it's forming anyone. It's just making things that much better, right? Yeah. I think the coming from it as a school team would be really important, too, because I think another piece that came out of the survey is that educators know this is important, but I, it seems like a lot of educators are just kind of doing it in their classrooms by themselves and trying to figure this out. And we don't want to make a mistake. So maybe that's why there's not too much collaborating between t- 
teachers and time is always a factor, but I think if the way you've incorporated it as a whole school PGP project, I think you're meeting people where they are. You're not making assumptions of where they should be or making anybody feel uncomfortable by the sounds of it. So it would be a conducive environment to creating that holistic learning climate for all students, right? And teachers, because still learning too, so... Yeah, and I've been working with like our Indigenous Perspectives team in our division and working with um, our superintendent. And so she's like, she wants me to publish it. And so really like this project, you can break it down however you need to. Like you can just focus on like your first year, focus on your all the classroom environments. And then the next year, tack on another quadrant and then another one. Depends on the school's level of comfortable, right? So... That's great. Well, I can't wait to read your published professional development plan or using the medicine wheelchair and right on. <laughs> I don't really know what that's supposed to look like. So we'll see. I don't know what it entails, but. So, you know, right. Karen, as we wrap it up, you know, um, I was just wondering, you know, do you have any parting advice to teachers who, you know, like we've talked about before, who just feel, you know, unprepared or uncomfortable about tackling the topic, the important topic or the, of teaching Indigenous perspectives? I do. So I think if a teacher feels unprepared or uncomfortable teaching Indigenous perspectives and histories in their classroom, I think first and foremost, they need to make the conscious effort to educate themselves and keep learning, right? It's nobody's responsibility but our own to learn about Canada's Indigenous history, right? And Indigenous cultures. So I think making that conscious effort to educate yourself is step number one. Mm -hmm. And if you have them in your school division, seeking the knowledge of an Indigenous perspective coach is a really good idea as well. And actually utilizing them if you have, if you have that opportunity. And building a strong relationship with Indigenous knowledge keepers or elders and Indigenous peoples as a whole is a really good idea as well. So if you have the opportunity to do that, I would highly recommend it. And if you don't necessarily know of any um, elders or knowledge keepers, like I would seek them out if you can, because it's really, really important to have that strong relationship so that you can do most of your learning that way, right? Mm -hmm. Basically, I would just recommend start small, like make small achievable goals that are related to holistic education, indigenous perspectives, and then bridging that gap between Indigenous and non-Indigenous perspectives in education. I wonder too, like even just with what you were describing in your project, how rather than being feeling isolated within your classroom and that you're all alone and have to tackle this important ta uh, topic that can be overwhelming, you know, reaching out to your colleagues, you know, like you said, starting small, but maybe starting together as well. Yeah. And, and looking for support with the teachers within your school, within your community. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Do you have any resources that you that are kind of your go-to's when you are helping another teacher try to, I guess, take on this journey? Like, what are your go-to resources? Well, I have three really, really good resources that we as a school are using and following. And like some teachers are using one resource more than the other, it just depends kind of what they connect with the most. But the big one is a book and it's called Teaching Each Other by Keith and Linda Goulet. And so this book 
gives an alternative framework for teachers working with Indigenous students with the purpose of not only acknowledging Indigenous culture and its importance, but strengthening Indigenous identity. And it also gives a lot of understanding behind the thought and the learning processes of Indigenous students. So that's book one, Teaching Each Other. Um, the other resource that we use is Achieving Aboriginal Student Success by Pamela Toulouse. Um, this resource was written for educators who are dedicated to equity and inclusion of Indigenous students in their classroom. And again, an excellent resource that gives each educator practical ideas and strategies that they can use in their classroom that they can just pick up and use right away. And the third one is written by the government of Alberta, and it's called Our Words, Our Ways, Teaching First Nations, Métis, and Inuit Learners. This resource was designed to help teachers and staff better serve and meet the needs of their Indigenous students by providing culturally relevant approaches to education of all their students. And there's tons and tons and tons of Indigenous information related podcasts as well. So I highly recommend teachers going on the internet and looking them up and reading what each one is about and kind of seeing which one best fits where they are in their journey right now. Cause there's some really, really good ones out there. Yeah. Podcasts are a great, great way to grow professionally. Yeah. What's your favorite one? Oh, it's called Canada's government. Oh boy. I can't remember what it's called exactly, but. If you can give us the name, we can post it. Yeah, I'll do that. Yeah, and we'll share. Yeah. And we'll share all the resources that Taryn shared with us today, too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah. All right. Well, thanks so much, Taryn. I really appreciate you joining us at the teacher table and sharing your thoughts and your project with us.